Dr. Homebrew is brought to you by Five Star Chemicals, providing safety and cleaning supplies for brewing, distilling, and winemaking at fivestarchemicals.com. Dr. Look! Stand aside, nurse. I'm Dr. Homebrew. All right, everybody, welcome to another fine episode of Dr. Homebrew. We're just here hanging out in the studio, drinking some beers, and uh, looking forward to talking with the brewers of those beers. In case you haven't heard of Dr. Homebrew before, it's no shock. Well, maybe it is, because it's the best show on the brewing network, besides lunch meat, maybe. Uh, But here's the rundown. What we do is we, uh, you send us some beers, and uh, then we judge them for you. And uh, we call you up and talk about those beers and uh, give you little tips and tricks about how to make a little better beer or, you know, uh, dial it into what you want to do. So uh, the people who do that, uh, it is not me, of course. My name is JP and uh, I am a BJCP judge, but I'm like a armchair BJCP judge where I kind of know what's going on, but I just... You know, no, no, let no. everybody else do it. You're a real judge, dude. I am a real judge. That's right. You're certified, but, right? But I just said, I think I'm recognized. Well, <laughs> whatever the lowest one is. You're a certified judge. I did it. Uh, no one can take that away from you me. Passed. That's right. I did pass. Um, it's a tough test to pass. It's it, yeah. It is. It is pretty difficult, especially when you're a doofus like I am. Yeah, you never know. A few years of the show, they might take it away from you. <laughs> They'll give him an honorary grandmaster just for hosting the show. Oh, I think they should. And I can just sit in judgment of everybody. Uh, the voices you hear are my handsome co-hosts, uh, Brian and Lee. They, of course, are are uh, not grandmaster. They are master BJCP judges, meaning uh, they know uh, just just a little bit about what uh, what they're talking about. And these are the guys who give you the the proper feedback. I just facilitate it. Uh, but of course, none of this could happen without our lovely sponsor, Five Star. You can go to 5starchemicals.com. If you're unfamiliar with 5 Star, they make those good products called PBW and uh, Star San and Sani Clean. And I like Star San. I like Star San, too. Don't fear the foam, is what they say. Yeah, you just work with it. It's Man. It's a good time. If, 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 you're, unfamiliar, if you're still using IOTA 4, uh, you, need, you need just you know put the bottle down and, and back away slowly. Um, then go online to one of our other fine sponsors and, and, and buy some five-star product, buy some uh, Star Sand, buy some PBW, uh, just buy it all, buy lots of it. So you know? I just, you know, when I'm using Star Sand, I just siphon it out of my, uh, you know, fermenter and, and you don't have any foam at all. And then that last little bit, you can just kind of swirl it and get it out. Yeah. No foam. If you, I mean, and leaving, leaving a little bit in there is fine. It's, it's a rinse-free agent. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad at all. What I do when I uh, sanitize my conical is I'll... Fill a squirt bottle with that star sand, uh, and then over the next week or whatever, when I'm taking samples, I can spray different kinds of things. Yeah. and it's uh, it's really handy. It, it lasts a long time for it's a real good value. So, yeah. check them out. Five Star Chemicals dot com. Also at your lo- favorite local homebrew store. Something I don't know. Whatever yeah, the, the squirt bottles, star sand are great. You know, you can clean the cat while you chase them from scratching the couch <laughs> to shreds too. That's right. Squirt the tops of all your connectors and whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a good product. So check them out, five star everybody. We love them. We know you'll love them too. 
Uh, okay, so today we have a couple beers to try. We have a pale ale with mosaic hops, which is kind of a relatively new hop on the scene, and I'm, I'm curious to check this out. Um, and then the other one, we have a bourbon barrel-aged stout. Uh, another one I'm excited to... It's one thing about the show. We keep getting beers that are uh, I keep looking forward to drinking, uh, and they haven't disappointed so far. So uh, what we're going to do is we're going to take a little break, and I'm going to get our first guest on the phone. Uh, his name is Matt. Um, I know we're keeping up, keeping him up a little late. So uh, Matt's a sport. Matt's a good sport. He's on the East Coast, and when I book the shows for the interviews, I try to get everybody uh, in a time slot that we can work with. But I think this show we have four folks on the East Coast or something like that. So it's just, it's just, I don't know. So I apologize, Matt, but uh, we'll get you up and running here in a sec. Um, everyone, stay tuned. It's Doctor Homebrew. See you on the other side of this break. Do you know the three most important rules in brewing? Sanitation, sanitation, and sanitation. And no one does it better than Five Star Chemicals. Five Star knows sanitation. You can only sanitize clean equipment. And Five Star knows how to clean, too. For craft brewers and home brewers, Five Star has what you need to keep your fermenters, serving tanks, kegs and draft lines sparkling and free of any beer-spoiling bacteria. PBW, caustic, acid cleaners, star sand, Santa Clean, lubricants and defoamers, pH stabilizers, and more. Five Star Chemicals has cleaning supplies, safety supplies, heat exchangers, pumps, hoses, and valves. And Five Star is proud to offer eco-friendly products that exceed customer expectations. If you have a cleaning problem, you need the Five Star Solution. Visit FiveStarChemicals.com or call 800-782-7019. 800-782-7019. And get the Five star treatment today where do you go for all the stuff you need to brew homebrewstuff.com of course in their boise idaho storefront and warehouse they have more than 750 craft beers and 8,000 square feet of homebrew products in stock the staff at homebrew stuff are homebrewers themselves they try out just about everything including the beer so they can answer your questions knowledgeably and correctly about brewing kegging and anything else you might need to ask don't live near the homebrew stuff store visit homebrewstuff.com online and take advantage of their 7.95 domestic shipping available on most orders homebrewstuff.com is a proud sponsor of the aha nhc gabf and countless other acronyms so if you're a homebrewer looking for great people a great selection and great deals head to homebrewstuff.com online or in person visit their youtube channel for loads of free how-to and product videos all of the stuff you need to brew homebrewstuff.com Dr. Homebrew, please report to the ER for code blue. Dr. Homebrew to the ER, please. No, and your tea time has been moved to 2.30. Now back to Dr. Homebrew. All right, it is Dr. Homebrew, and it's another fine evening here. In lovely, lovely Martinez, California, or as I like to say, home of the roving Martian, um, uh, which is typically what happens here. Uh, you know, when the sun goes down, the the kooks come out to play, and uh, we lock all of our doors. And here we are. <laughs> here we are. We're ready for it. We're looking for everybody. Uh, on the line, I have Matt. Matt, are you with us, buddy? Yep, I'm here. Okay. Sorry to keep you up so late, brother. I apologize. Uh, no worries. But thanks for sticking with it. Uh, so, what do we have here? Tell me a little bit about your beer. 
Um, basically, it should be in the specialty category instead of being a pale ale category. Um, as you can tell, it's pretty light in color. Uh, basically, just wanted something that would um, showcase the mosaic hops because I've never had it before. And I think it pretty, does a pretty good job of that. Um, and I also really wanted to use just one grain on it, um, and it was the new Golden Pills. Hmm. Uh, Vienna Golden Pills malt that came out, and I was curious to see what that was about. So it's uh, about the second time I've brewed it, and um, just kind of wanted to get some feedback on it. Who makes that Golden Pills? Uh, it's a priest. Okay. Shocking. I mean, they... I think it came out last year. It just okay. came out last year. It was very, very new. Okay. All right. Great. And how long have you been homebrewing? Oh, about three years. Three years. Okay. And uh, I, I take it from your comments, this is the first time you've you've done something like this with that new malt and, and showcasing these hops? Yeah. yeah okay. Exactly. And uh, what do you want to get out of this? Do you just want to learn, um, you know, how, how, to, how to dial this into a particular style or to showcase the hops a little bit more? What are you looking for? Uh, really just trying to get some feedback, uh, just some criticism on it. Um, not really trying to lock it into any specific style. Uh, just really wanted to make something that was easy to drink, light in alcohol, uh, on more beer style thing. But I really like hops, so I wanted something to punch me in the face. Yeah, yeah, that's kind of my thing, too. I, I, really, I like hops, but I don't like the alcohol that goes with them. So, so you do. I do. Well, I do, but I don't want to... You know, my doctor listened to this. So, um, all right, Lee, why don't you start this off, right man? Here. What do you, uh, yeah, hey, hey, can, <laughs> what you get, can we that? get the foam cam on this? Oh yeah, it's a really, know. it's a really. Uh, this beer has got a head that just doesn't quit. I mean, it's well, it slowly quits, but it's just <laughs> nice and moussey, and it leaves lace, and it's a really pretty head. Really nice foam on this beer. Whatever that Golden Pills malt is, it is doing a great job there. Um, and that's the sort of thing I can right. expect from a Pills malt. Actually, they usually do well for leaving a. Leaving a nice foam stand behind. Um, so this beer, Pale Session Ale. Um, actually, it's the kind of style I like. I've made a lot of these myself. Low alcohol or lower alcohol, hoppy, sort of, you know, throttled down IPA sort of things. I really like them for exactly the reasons Jason was saying. You can just keep drinking them, keep enjoying those hops, not falling over. You go all day in a nice hot hot Saturday with a nice barbecue going, and it's just a really fun beer to have. So, what did we think of this one, though? Um, a lot of hop character, just like you'd expect. Uh, it was mosaic hops. We're picking up a lot of tropical fruit in here, some mango, um, also some lemon along with this, a little bit of a piney hint, a little bit of that kind of berry character you get out of this. Um, not a whole lot of malt aroma in this, just some sort of nice, subtle, maybe lightly bready hints. Yeast character, at least in the aroma, seem pretty clean. Um, it's a bit yeasty, and that probably goes along with the fact, and you may have noticed this in the, I don't know how well that camera showed it, the beer is quite hazy, too. Oh, um, these are high-def cameras. These are high-def oh, cameras? Well, maybe not high-def. So def. you can actually see individual yeast cells floating around <laughs> in true. there if they're in there? You don't need a microscope. You just need to hold it up to one of these webcams. And, and it'll, and it'll, it'll, it can do a yeast count? Yeah, awesome. sure. Awesome. i got to get one of these at home. 85 right. billion. Yeah, 85 billion? Yeah. Cells or dollars? Well, cells. Yeah. The okay. math's off. Pixels. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, nice hoppy nose. That really worked very well in this beer. Um, it poured this great, nice, fluffy white head. Um, it was kind of hazy, pale gold. It fit pretty much exactly with what you had said, pr- said it should look like, probably, although I don't know if you hadn't tended that much haze in there. Um, the flavor, again, you get the lemon and the mango. It was kind of tart with almost a carbonic edge to it, sort of like a lot of uh, CO2 kind of acidity. Um, and um, it was a bit 
again, the same sort of flavors from the hops. Lemon and mango, a little bit of blueberry. That came through a little bit more here. It's Mosaic's kind of known for that kind of a flavor. Um, and a little bit of a bready flavor from the malt, sort of a, a light bread crust kind of flavor. It was pretty nice. The ferment seemed mostly pretty clean. Um, you know, there was no off flavors, no diacetyl, anything like that. No real evidence of contamination, um, despite that little bit of tartness in there. Um, and um, it had enough malt, I think, to make the balance work. It, sometimes the challenge is doing these little session beers. If you make them, you know, low gravity and high IBUs and go for a dry beer, you might end up with a lot, like a lot of people just kind of call hop tea, and it's just kind of bitter and not that uh, pleasant. I think yeah. you, you skirted the border on that on the right side here. It is pretty dry and light, but I think it's got enough malt character, and the creaminess really helps uh, to keep it away from just being, you know, kind of hop tea in my mind. Um, low body, fairly high carbonation, nice, nice creaminess, not alcoholic or astringent. Um, a little bit of a burn in the finish, but it didn't seem alcoholic. I think it was more that acidity coming through again, which is sort of the key point in me for this beer. Um, I, so I have, I have a question about this. When did you brew this? Oh, that's a, that's, that's the thing. It was kind of rushed around a little bit to make sure it would make it to the show on time. Um, I think it was brewed, the date on the recipe, it's June like, 7th. Uh, oh. the 7th of January or June. 7th of June. Well, that's actually a fair that's, ways back. That's pretty good, yeah. Yeah. Huh, interesting. So, I mean, the thing that was getting me is a little bit odd in this beer, between the haze and that sort of tart acidity, which almost seems carbonic. It wasn't like lactic or acetic or any contamination like that or citric sort of flavor. It almost made me wondering if the beer was still fermenting a bit. It had just a touch of that character I get when I taste uh, a wort that's still fermenting. It gets really tingly on your tongue. Hmm. It didn't seem quite tingly, but it just, it just had that kind of bite that you get from carbonic acid. And maybe it's just because it's very highly carbonated yeah, and is, a light yeah. beer. Yeah. Um, but I was kind of wondering if this beer might not have completely fermented out and it was still got a little bit of activity going on in there. Looking at the recipe here, too, he does have some uh, a couple ounces of acidulated uh, Weirman malt in there. So, um, that, A couple ounces? Well, yeah. A couple ounces. This is not going to do too much. but Yeah. Well, depending uh, on your, what, what your starting water's like that, that might be about what you need for a beer like this color. What, what would that have done for, for, for a beer like this? Um, with a pale malt and a fairly uh, uncharacteristic, un, fairly mineral-free water, it'll bring the pH down to where you need it to be. I mean, mm. the sort of thing I'd throw in with the water around here to make a pills or a very pale ale mm-hmm. uh, or, or a heffa. Okay. I, I'd use that. Um, I don't know what the water's like where, where Matt is, so if he's got uh, slightly harder water, he might need more of that. If he's got softer, he might not need it at all. Although, actually, for a beer this pale, it's probably a good idea. It's a good way to acidulate it without having to throw a lot of mineral in there. Mm-hmm. I know what what what's your water like down there, Matt? Uh, yeah, you're, you're pretty right on. I need I needed that. I may, I may need to bump that up just a little bit. Um, the carbonation though you might be getting is uh, I filled the bottles from the from the tap, so I had to juice it up just a little bit to make sure that, that it wasn't undercarbonated when it made it to you guys. I mean, it, it left Georgia and made it all the way to California, and I'm surprised it held up as well as it did. Right. Oh, yeah. There's no sign, no shortage of gas in this beer. <laughs> um, so, uh, okay. well, maybe, maybe that's all we're picking up then. You're, you, have you had your beer there stored at, a, like, a garage temp? Well, I don't know what your garage temperature is there. Sort of a cellar temperature at all? Has it settled out and clarified at all? Uh, mine is in the keg, sitting in a, a kegerator, sitting at about 40 degrees, and mm-hmm. it's... It, it, to tell you the truth, I have none of it left. 
Oh. I had to save a bottle so I could just do this show with you guys. Right, nice. right, right. Well, that does tend to... That's what these beers are made for. They're not made to hang around at all. Absolutely. Um, did you dry hop this guy? I, I didn't see the recipe yes, until it just is the dry, It is dry hopped with an ounce of, of pellets in the, in the actual uh, conical and not uh, in a sack or anything. So right. you, you may be seeing a little hot dust in there, too, or something. I don't yeah. Know. Well, you know, I've noticed this in beers that I've made with Pills malts and that I've dry hopped. They tend to. They are really prone to haze. Huh. I, I, you know, I've I've not read anything about this, and maybe I just haven't read widely enough on the subject. But I've I've done several beers that are you know not too different from this, and they almost always get hazy when I dry hop them. Um, so that might be a cause of that. I'm not sure. I mean, it might be worth you know not dry hopping one or, or taking a quart or two off before you dry hop it and set it aside and see mm-hmm. what happens just as a as an experiment. I should do that myself, I guess, having said it. <laughs> um, it is a pretty decent beer. Um, I really like the style. I think you've executed it pretty well. That sort of acidity and um, maybe it's just over-carbonation as opposed to a yeast problem kind of set me back because it had this kind of weird tingling thing to it. So I, I kind of scored down for that. Um, I actually gave it a 28. But, you know, if you throttled back the carbonation a bit and if that's all it was was an overpressure, you know, I'd probably put this up in the low to mid-30s. It's, it's a very drinkable beer. It's really nice. I like it. Brian, you're next, buddy. Yeah, well, very thorough analysis there, Lee. Yeah, Matt, good uh good beer. I really you know, in the aroma initially the, the, the hop hop comes right through and it's a pleasant, you know, uh a nice high tropical and uh uh mango like hop. And then uh when we're retasting it again after the judging I got I got kind of a pine tree note in there. I do mm. see you put in some Simcoe too after I um that out that makes sense so uh yeah and some underneath that there is kind of a, a little bready yeasty aroma but it's fresh and it's not unpleasant it's 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 maybe not really appropriate for an american pale ale if you judge it by that which we we kind of did because we had to give it put it somewhere but um you know jp's not very organized <laughs> i'm not very organized i don't even know <laughs> no, where i am right now i yeah and I, I would say too if it was judged as a specialty or something it would probably would uh, would, would score uh, even higher, but um, you know, fruity esters are medium. No, no DMS or diacetyl or any real bad uh, flaws in there. Just a little yeastiness popping up. Uh, pretty hazy, kind of an orangey, yellowy color, and uh, uh, yeah, the head stuck around pretty well. And uh, you know, mostly fine bubbles. Um, and it was, it was. You did a nice job of balancing the the bitterness with the beer. It was only mildly bitter. Um, and let everything you know the flavors come through uh but yeah i'm getting a lot of citrusy kind of uh flavors in here and a kind of a an orange julius kind of impression almost oh or, yeah you know you I remember do. those yeah yeah and it's uh it with the kind of milkiness you get from the yeast yeasty element in this and the the big bright lemony and tropical hops in there it's it's pretty cool and interesting that way um i've never had a beer quite like this it's uh you know Big, big esters and uh you know the balance is to the hops definitely the malt is just kind of low and uh and supporting and uh, yeah a little kind of bready lightly toasty you know um finishes the impression of the finish is that it's semi-sweet but it's probably kind of medium to probably dry but <laughs> because hmm. it's just the fruitiness gives me the impression of sweetness sometimes hmm. and you have to okay yeah yeah i see you have to try to judge those separately it's not finishing super dry though. It it there is some there's something uh, there, some but gravity, gravity, gravity. You're thinking it's not just from just from the the flavor of the hops. There is a little sweetness. 
I think there is. Yeah. What what did what did it finish at, Matt? We always get this wrong uh, too. I actually dropped out at uh, ten uh, one twelve. Ten twelve. So for a beer that starts at ten forty three, that's pretty substantial. You yeah. know, a semi sweet kind of finish for that. I would I would say just looking at the numbers and and it works. It it does give that impression. Uh, and with the with the acidity and the the little bite from that, it, it gives a little extra. But uh, yeah. <laughs> Um, well, for ten twelve, it doesn't it doesn't taste like a ten twelve beer. Yeah, it's, I mean, it tastes a little drier, right? Yeah, and it's it's fairly s- fairly yeah. smooth in the mouthfeel. It's not astringent. You know, the carbonation is is pushing up there a bit, and you get a little prickliness from that. And there's, uh, you know, not much to hide behind. Uh, you know, lighter beer that that can really yeah, well, you know, a lighter beer can tolerate. Um, you know, like a Coors Light, say you can that's highly carbonated and. They can get away with it because uh, there's not much else going on, going on there. But uh, that the Coors Light doesn't have the kind of acidity and the fruity elements that this has. So the combination of the carbonation with that is pretty interesting. And uh, you know, it's not it's not harsh or anything. It's just uh, something I've never had. Uh, but yeah, nicely brewed uh, sessiony, you know, uh, single malt and a couple of mostly mosaic hop beer. It really does showcase that. That quality, you could, uh, along with the Simcoe, you could probably blend in some other hops to give it a little more complexity, or you could just try one with straight, uh, straight mosaic and see how that comes out. But I think um, taking, you know, figuring out a way to clarify this beer is going to make it a totally different beer too. And it might, uh, you know, w- with the use of findings, either you know kettle findings if you're not already using them, some whorl flock or whatever, and or post ferment, adding some gelatin or polyclar or what have you, or filtering the beer even. Um, you know, it would be a totally different beer without that that bready yeasty element. And I don't know if you know. Do you think it would be better or worse, Lee? I think it would. With an American pale ale, you you definitely don't want too much yeast in a beer like that. You don't want it to look like a Weizen or or taste like a bready uh, beer. So you know, for bringing it to a pale ale style, it would help it there. But I think it works this way too. It's it's a cool beer. Yeah, I mean for. Um you don't want a lot of yeast and suspension for pale ale. That's kind of the wrong flavor for the beer. If it's just some sort of chill haze, that's really not going to have a huge impact on flavor. But it'd be it'd be prettier to get rid of it. We so can, yeah. some finding some polyclara or some biofine or you know Irish no it's too late for Irish moss <laughs> if it's coming from dry hoppings. Um, maybe some um, what's the stuff I'm thinking of the. Isinglass, oh, those yeah. things, those things, bladder. those things should all work. Yeah, you want a little fish product in your your beer. <laughs> um, any of those should work to get rid of that. They'd be worth a try. Um, if it's the same thing that I've seen coming from dry hopping and pills malts, it might actually be hard to get rid of it with a filter. Hmm. I've tried that a few times. It had partial success at best. So that's probably a combination okay. of hop haze and some yeast in there. But hey, were these bottle conditioned or were they? They were from a keg. Yeah, that's right. I did use Irish malts in it, so yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But you know, if it's something that's coming out of the hops in, dry, in the dry hopping interacting, it's it's so far after the Irish moss is all done and gone home, it's it's not gonna that's not gonna impact that, right? Because that's all that just drops out from the boil. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's 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 action's done at that point. I give it a twenty six though, and if judged as a specialty, it would definitely score a little higher, probably in the thirties. <laughs> and we probably should have judged as a specialty. So um, again, just. Blame JP. It's okay. Hey, I told you exactly what it was. Can't blame me for this one. <laughs> he did. Okay. <laughs> we'll blame him anyway. So yeah, I don't he know. probably would. Uh, well, Matt, do you have any questions for the guys based on that glorious feedback? 
no, actually, I don't. That's what I was looking for. Um, okay. Like I said, it was just something that I came up with to try to get an idea of what those two ingredients would be. And um, it doesn't stick around much when I brew it, so I, I enjoy it quite a bit. This is, sounds, thanks for the feedback. I appreciate that. Sounds like a new house beer for you. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, say too, um, these things are good for that. Yeah. And thanks for staying awake for us, man. That's... Um, no worries. Hope you were able to enjoy a few beers tonight, and but uh, definitely, you know, uh, drunk dialing is definitely a, a, a Eastern time zone sport. If you can wake up your friend on the West Coast out of a dead sleep, or even in Hawaii, I suppose <laughs> you're you're doing something right. You're doing all right. <laughs> all right, Matt. Thanks, man. I really appreciate it, buddy. All right, guys. Thank you. All right, take care. Thank you. That was nice. That was a good beer. I really, I really enjoyed that beer. I like it for what it is. It's a tasty beer. There's a lot going on, and it does showcase the hop nicely. Yeah, mission accomplished. Yeah, no, I really liked it. It's very drinkable, very tasty. And part of the reason it gets, it tends to get scored down is it just it doesn't shoehorn in into any style really very well. Yeah, so yeah. You, you throw that in, it's not quite anything, and it's got a haze thing, and it's a little tart, and and it it just hurts it. But all that said, I. I I've brewed beers very like this probably a dozen times over the last several years, and those kegs don't last long. No, no, no they, they just don't. go right away. It's Fine. almost it's almost like uh, shit. I don't want to brew it again because it's so much effort for three weeks of enjoyment. Stop <laughs> me before I brew this again. Yeah, yeah, yep. I like it so it gets much. Up to hundred degrees, and pretty soon you're blowing it. Like, that. <laughs> oops. Yeah, you are. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a break, and then when we come back, we're gonna have Curtis on the line with the bourbon barrel aged. Uh, Stout. I can't wait for this guy. Stay tuned, everybody. It's Dr. Homebrew. Hey, dude. You know what beer this is? Oh, uh, no. All the labels are falling off. Yeah, or the ink is run. Well, if it's the pale ale, you're good. But stay away from the quote-unquote Belgian. Oh, man. This guy needs to get some grog tags. Grog tags are reusable, right-on, wipe-off, commercial-grade bottle labels for your brew. The guys at Grog Tag are homebrewers. They wanted great-looking, sturdy labels for your bottles, buckets, carboys, kegs, and growlers. They also wanted a label that not only looks good, but can be easily removed and reapplied during bottling without that nasty glue residue being left behind. No residue, water-resistant, and ice chest approved. Grog tags stay on in water or an ice chest, and they stay legible. Visit grogtag.com to customize your label or coaster from dozens of different templates for free and see how awesome your bottles can look. Ugh, it's that pseudo-Belgian. Yeah, we're getting him some grog tags, dude. Grog tag. At least your beer will look good. Grogtag.com. Are you a member of the American Homebrewers Association? Well, you should be. Members of the AHA can focus on brewing beer, and the AHA takes care of the rest. The American Homebrewers Association advocates on behalf of homebrewers like you to legalize the hobby in all 50 states and make sure that beer laws make sense. Plus, there are many great benefits that come with your AHA membership, like AHA member deals that give you awesome deals at bars, restaurants, breweries, and more. Zymergy Magazine and E. Zymergy for tons of articles, how-tos, easy-to-follow recipes, and news about the hobby you love, and access to the members-only content on homebrewersassociation.org. But the AHA can't do it without your support. Join today so the American Homebrewers Association can keep fighting for your homebrewing rights. Visit homebrewersassociation.org or join now from the homepage of the Brewing Network website. Relax. Don't worry. It's the American Homebrewers Association. This mosaic pale ale from Rebel Brewer is delicious. Yes, I enjoy it too. 
Wait, did you hear that? It sounds like a velociraptor. Why would a velociraptor be here? That doesn't make any sense. He's going for my beer. I'll stop him. It looks like our frightening friend just has a thing for Rebel Brewer Hoppy Beers. Rebelbrewer.com has the largest selection of grains on the planet. And if you order before noon, most orders will ship the same day. Two-thirds of the country gets their orders in two days or less. Rebel Brewer, the velociraptor of homebrew shops. Why wait? Quick, flexible, speedy, fast, not slow, and fast and speedy. Visit rebelbrewer.com today. I'll rip your face off. Oh, and he'll totally do it, too. Visit today at rebelbrewer.com. Now, back to the examination. All right, welcome back. It's Dr. Homebrew, everybody. I think we really should uh, we should do an acapella version of this. And you can go, and it would be, am- be amazing. On the phone, we have my close personal friend, uh, Curtis. Curtis, are you with us, buddy? Yes, sir. All right, how you doing, man? Doing well, how are you? Perfect, after having these beers. Yeah. Um, yeah I, I'm, drinking not- a, I'm drinking a Coors Light. I didn't, I didn't want to... Curtis, oh, yeah. are you also in the Eastern Time Zone? No, I, I'm in Houston, Texas. Okay, yeah. mountain, close enough. Yeah, something like that. Cool. Um, all right, so you have now you've sent us two beers. The beer that we judged, or, or the the guys judged rather, is the Bourbon Barrel uh, Stout, and then you sent us the Base uh, Stout as well. Yes, that's very interesting. So I think we'll talk about the the, the Bourbon Barrel Stout first, and then. You know, jump into the differences and and what that barrel kind of did to to your beer. Yeah, I'm glad that you sent that along. At first, I was like, I don't know if I'll have time, but after tasting it, there's there's obvious you know obviously there's differences, but uh, it's cool to see the the evolution of the beer. So uh, so we'll we'll talk about that a little bit. But first, uh, how long have you been home brewing, man? Uh, it's been about two and a half years now. Oh, really? Yeah. Are you doing um, all grain? I imagine. I started out with uh, mini mash kits and moved on to all grain. Oh, you didn't even you didn't even funk around with all that extract steeping stuff. No, yeah, I'm a I'm an engineer, so I was kind of wanting to get into all the details of it. So, what is it about you engineers that like homebrewing so much? Engineer. I don't know, just figuring stuff out, I guess. <laughs> Brian's taking notes. And he writes down engineer. A lot of the guys <laughs> in our club are engineers. That's right. The Mad Zymergists. There it is. Everyone, a lot of lab lab folks and techies and all lots kinds of, lab of crazy. Rap. Yeah, for sure. Um, is this the first time that you've brewed this beer, or is yes. this? It is really okay. Yeah, I was starting to uh, to pick up on a blog called Mad Fermentationist. Uh, started kind of emailing with him. I got a connection over at uh, Balcones to pick up some barrels, and I was like, "Well, crap." Now I got to start filling these things so I can start doing sours, <laughs> but I don't want it to taste like a bunch of bourbon, at least this time around for the sours. Yeah, so. that'd be terrible. Yeah, I know. So <laughs> I started doing some stouts and uh, did a wee heavy in parallel with this one too. So. Oh wow. Yeah. Cool. Uh, where, what, how did you uh, come up with the recipe for this? Uh, well, I checked out his. Uh, actually, down here in Texas, we only recently got founders. So when I had brewed this, we didn't have founders and. 
I knew that uh, a friend of mine traded with me, got me a breakfast out. I like that. And so I started looking around for a recipe for it and started emailing uh, Mad Fermentationist and asking him what he thought would be good to barrel age. I did a Stone Russian Imperial Stout before this and split that half and half with uh, Belgian yeast and non and um, wanted to go on to something different. So this was uh, the breakfast stout recipe what i sent you guys was with no coffee so i felt like the coffee covered up too much of what i didn't like about the beer so Mm. i didn't want to get that one judged okay all right very good well let's let's get right into this brian what do you think i I choose you the bourbon barrel aged uh beer okay we're tasting that yeah and we just yeah we just started tasting the other one too so we'll have some comments (laughs) about that as well but yeah um i really liked the aroma on this beer this you know it had had a nice smooth but fairly subdued kind of roasty richness and uh you know a definite bit of oak character in there and a very very low bourbon uh, aromas just really in check and it's easy to overdo the booze on these kind of beers so that's nice um but it was almost well almost absent <laughs> but it's it's there it's just there's it's the just second a, use of the barrel yeah so. There's I just it enough with to get some uh, buffalo trace, but okay, yeah, very long did, did a little reboozing. That's always a good idea yeah. if you're going for that. But yeah, um, so yeah, I got a little kind of a uh, a funky note in there, a little kind of hay-like, or you know, I thought there was some hints of some Britannomyces activity in there, but okay. um, you know, um, not overpowering, just a, just a hint of that, and. Um, no real hops noted or anything in there. It's just a, it's a malty beer with a barrel age to it. And, uh, you know, the fruity esters are in line with the other elements. Uh, you got some vanillins from the, from the barrel. Nice low note of that. Um, and it was a beautiful beer. It's a deep jet black beer with, um, uh, you know, had that stuck around for a little while. It's, it's, um, you know, very fine mousse like kind of whipped cream, you know, chocolate whipped cream maybe bubbles in it so the the foam cam put up the foam cam um <laughs> yeah here. <laughs> foam cam foam cam so yeah the the base beer on this seems to be we weren't really told what kind of stout it was and the breakfast stout thing is interesting so that's cool um is that more like a like a uh, cream stout or uh, what is a what is a breakfast stout kind of classified as there's no bjcp thing for a breakfast stout so i <laughs> I don't yeah, I generally drink when I started for looking it up, breakfast. it came into a specialized category. Yeah. It was kind of weird. Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things that, yeah, I, I don't know like, enough about. That's, that's just the beer's name, isn't it? Yeah, it's just, yeah, yeah. it's founder's oh, okay. breakfast that has coffee yeah, in it. But usually, uh, okay. I think it's an imperial stout. It's an imperial okay. coffee stout. Got it. Good for breakfast. But it usually carries into it, uh, it's got flaked oats in there. So this came with a pound, like one point, one and two thirds pounds of uh, flaked oats. Uh, okay. Yeah, so, so the, I think those the, are the two big characteristics: coffee and oatmeal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. We were talking about the base beer and, and guessing at what it might be, and it seemed like leaning leaning towards imperial, but it, it wasn't like over the top in your face American imperial kind of thing. Yeah, uh, it was just kind of a mellow, like you know, in between an American stout and a and an imperial stout without without so many hops as you get in either of those, I guess. <laughs> but um, yeah, so. There, there seemed to be a, a little um, lactic sour note creeping up in the flavor, um, within the bar- barrel character there, and the flavor. Uh, the, the malt's pretty strong and clean, and it's um, you know 
kind of hiding behind some of the other elements there. It's 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 roasty, but it yeah, this one was interesting for me to judge in the flavor. It was it was um, the little little sour sour note threw me off a little bit, and um, there wasn't much booze at all in the flavor either. Just kind of a and a sour, kind of lightly roasty aftertaste in the beer. It's mm-hmm. yeah, it's a, it's a good tasting beer, but I guess I either expected the, the stout to be a little bigger and the yeah. and a little more booze to to balance it out and a little more oak character. The oak character is really light in this, um, but yeah, it's tasty and it's it's subdued and it's understated, and I, I like that about it too. So. That part was hard hard for me to judge. Lee might do a better job than I did. <laughs> um, it was in the barrel for coming up on three months. Wow. Something like okay. That, so. What size barrel? But again, it was second use. So 30 yeah. gallon? No, that's a five gallon barrel. Five, five gallon? Five, yeah. five gallon That's barrel. a good amount of time contact time. <laughs> yeah. Right? yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, it's definitely there. It's just understated and subdued. And, and you know, uh, we can talk about balance. And that's, that's an important element in beer for sure. So... Sure. Um, yeah, kind of a medium low carbonation, which worked for the beer. Uh, no, no real astringency. It was kind of lightly creamy. There's definitely a bit of alcohol warmth in this coming through. Uh, kind of medium to medium full bodied, and um, you know, mouthfeel was was pleasant for the beer. It, it it was light, kind of like the other elements of it. Um, so yeah, it seemed almost like a, an imperial style. And the overall impression of the score sheet, I thought the the souring could be lightened. This, you know, sour can be a background note in these beers and uh, in a wood aged beer, but should be in, in harmony with all the other elements and kind of hidden behind them. I think it was kind of coming out over the top a little bit more in the overall impression of the beer. Yeah. Um, and it needs a little more booze. And I don't say that lightly because I really don't like beers that go too heavy on the booze. So, agreed. You know, it kills it. Rebooze your, your barrel a little more or, you know, um, or you know do what you want with it <laughs> don't <laughs> don't mention the bourbon and people will just drink it and say hey that's a damn good beer um you know it's a really tasty and unique beer i would i would maybe use the barrel to try it you sound like you might be leaning toward making some sours yeah 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 that was yeah. the purpose that yeah. i picked them so, up for so it might be time to start that um and yeah. or you could you know pump up the the abv even a little bit more and rebooze the barrel just you know a little bit more and uh, even a little more contact time or even add some fresh oak chips if you want to get a little more oak character you know mm-hmm. and different toasts experiment with different toasts of the uh, i haven't done too many oak uh, oak aged beers myself but uh, i've done some some oak aging on meats and you know mm. with those i haven't i don't have a barrel but i just did like you know um a week of contact time with a you know a couple ounces of wood chips i think it was but uh you know Hey, that oak popped right up there. You can you can adjust that. Even if you have it in the barrel for three months, and you decide, ah, that that oak's not quite right. You know, a few days with some some oak and just taste it every every day until it's right where you want it. And I, I don't know. I, what's what's your opinion on adding booze to beer, JP? Should should booze be added straight to beer? I don't know that. I think you I think you get different flavors. Yeah. If you're getting the booze from the oak, that's different than the booze that you're going to get from the from the bottle let's say maybe yeah especially if it's a filtered booze and which i imagine a, a lot of it would be 
Um, I don't know. I, I think it would be different. I don't think it would start to taste kind of artificially boozy and start to annoy me. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, after we did anything like that. Yeah. The age uh, oak chips in, boo- in some bourbon and it really yeah. carried along nicely, but there, they yeah. aged it for like a year. That would be the way to do it then. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. Cool. Well, nice beer. I, I gave it a 35. I thought it was a very pleasant beer. Just um, and and subdued and and nicely balanced. Uh, just a couple of little things in it that that uh, yeah. Yeah, that was ultimately the reason I chose it to to send in, and I the reason I chose it non the non coffee aged or coffee yeah coffee aged version mm-hmm. to send in. I just didn't want to cover up the flaws in the beer. Why just holding the, out on us. The, I bet the coffee, version coffee's really nice with this beer. I bet. I actually, would have would have liked all three of them. The the base beer, this beer, and then and then the one with a coffee added. I think that would have been a cool yeah yeah a long yeah. and a bottle of Millennium. Send us more <laughs> yeah. beer and more booze, Curtis. The uh, yeah the the trick with that was that my wife's pregnant and she helped me bottle the coffee version and she told me I couldn't give away any more ah. because it smelled so good. So uh, ah, I'm, I'm saving that. a case of that for her. So. Oh, you get a buy on that then? Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, yep. So I, I was right on the edge of sending it, but it was like, eh, yeah, I know she's not worth she's it. Not, she's not down <laughs> with that. So, cool. All right, Lee, maybe on the next one. Yeah, good. What do I think? I I really like this beer. Um, I thought um, it's it was very interesting in a lot of ways. Its balance seemed to be almost more. Like an English imperial stout, mm. it wasn't a big hoppy alcohol bomb like a lot of the American ones are. It was more subtle and more balanced. There was a lot of esters in here, and I got a lot of kind of cherry and berry in the nose and fig in the finish, which is very nice. Um, a lot of deep chocolate uh, aromas and flavors, um, with a, a hint of some of the higher higher lava bond kind of malts. You know, a little bit of ashiness. I got a little threshold tarry flavor in the flavor for this. Um, I got in the nose, there was uh, a hint of bourbon and a low wood aroma, uh, not a whole lot. I got a like a, maybe a little touch of oxidation, like a, just a real threshold bit of soy and paper in there, but not that much. I wasn't really sure how much of it was there, if any. Um, some toasty malt notes, a very clean ferment. Uh, the intensity of the aroma was kind of low overall, but I think mostly it's because it wasn't a very highly carbonated beer. Maybe a little yeah. more CO2 would drive it better. It was black as night, had a nice dark brown head. It didn't last long. It kind of faded to a bead, but the bead sticks around. In a beer this strong, you know, you kind of expect some behavior like that. Uh, that's all, you know, totally to style. Flavor, up front I was hit, it was fruit and alcohol. Got me before any of the roast flavors for the flavor, hmm. which is interesting. It's kind of what brings on this sort of classification, this sort of description being almost more English in character, because that's kind of an English-style RAS. They kind of flav- favor the esters as much as anything else um what's going on here nothing <laughs> they, they flavor on. the esters um there was a little bit of bourbon in there and that tari and then sort of the that deep rich chocolate comes on through the middle and the finish with some more ro- darker rose hints um there was a little bit of bourbon some wood it's a little drying character a little bit of lignans maybe some wood sugars in there kind of a slate like character to it and it just lasted for a long time on the palate it's very well attenuated you know, it wasn't any leftover sugar lying around here. It was very mm-hmm. clean ferment, a little bit of vanilla, medium-high body, nicely creamy. Um, it's definitely alcoholic, but it wasn't hot, solventy, or anything like that. 
The bur- bourbon barrel ones or the bourbon flavored ones tend to be really bad on that front. Sometimes they start over spiking with the bourbon. Yeah. Um, it wasn't really astringent, had a little bit of drying. All in all, I really like this beer. Um, I thought it was a very nice, complex, somewhat more subtle than most version or interpretation of this style. Uh, it balanced out very well, had some nice flavors in it, had, had you know, a reasonable amount of complexity. I, I give this beer a 39. I thought it was pretty killer. Um, I would be happily, well, you know, it's not a session beer like the one we judged before, <laughs> but I would happily probably hurt myself trying to drink that much of it. Um, you said you had this in one of those Balconies barrels for about three months? Yeah. Yeah. I, I did pick up a little of the acidity Brian was talking about. Did you have much headspace in that? Uh, there wasn't, <clears throat> there wasn't a lot, but I mean, it's kind of hard to tell, but there was, there's some, and it was kind of curious, the, uh, specific gravity going in was, uh, I know you guys usually ask this, 1.024 and coming out, uh, granted I was extrapolating that from a refractometer, but it was, uh, 1.033. So yeah. I, I don't know if something funny happened there or if it was just that, the angel share was running off with it or well, what was going on with that wow that's interesting yeah i i don't know because i mean it's a terminal gravity so it's hard to hard to figure you know because they, they don't read accurately with the alcohol but still that's a big jump yeah that's yeah. really interesting so, i mean if, if, if that's an accurate reading that's that's a hell of an angel share i mean you're talking about <laughs> yeah. 10 gravity points you know with whatever fact you have to throw into fudge it with all the alcohol in there that's a lot of change yeah that's interesting um, I mean, I've done a bunch of those little barrels with those. We actually got some of those Balconies barrels shipped up here. Mm-hmm. And I found, you no, know, they work pretty nice. You have to be real careful with the headspace. If you have more than half an inch or an inch and let it sit there too long, you can get some real oxidation going on. Because um, okay. it's such a, a small, a big surface area compared to the volume of it. Mm-hmm. You'll really pick it up. I mean, I did an Imperial Stout in one of these. It didn't have a whole lot of headspace, and the oxidation was you know, just a little bit. And then a barley wine. It got down to about an inch and a half of headspace in there, and it sat for about three months. And that was oxidized within a threshold of it of, it, of its life. It wow. was didn't have much room left to go. It was like right at the end of where you'd want to drink it. Fortunately, I got it then. Hmm. Um, but it, I think I think the headspace in those little barrels is something to keep an eye on. Hmm. And since yeah. they're small, and you're pointing this out with that change, um, if it evaporates a lot, that headspace is going to grow fast. Um, my experience was it was I actually was topping those barrels up uh, when I was good with it and like on that stout every month at least uh, to to bring that bring it back up and get rid of that headspace because the other danger there is if it's not real clean in there you might get an acetobacter going in there and that will definitely make acidity. Oh yeah, I'm not mm-hmm. tasting acetic acid in here, so I don't think that's no. what you had. And, you know, I'd, I'd maybe go back into uh, you know mash pH in that territory for something like this. Um, but I don't really know. It's hard to say. Um, but barrels, those, those little barrels yeah. can make some very nice little flavors. The one thing I'm not sure about with these barrels is how long you can leave a beer in there. You know, a big barrel, like you got a full-size 55-gallon yeah. spirits barrel, it left stuff in there for a year or more, and it comes out very nice. Easily. Yeah, with a greater surface area here in one of these things, it'd probably be the, leaving it in for a year probably be the equivalent of three to five years in one of those big Yeah, barrels. there's no way you can do that. I, you know, I thought three months was a, little, was a little long, but clearly the way this came out, it, you know, you probably could have, well, I don't know if he could have gone a little bit more too because there was kind of a tannin, a tannic yeah. oak thing going on. And, yeah. and so 
maybe he just wasn't getting that that flavor and and like uh, like Brian was saying put put oak uh, Brian said oak chips I would I would I would go cubes personally or cubes yeah um, you know and then you can get different toast levels and and, and do that kind of stuff I, but, I prefer the dodecahedrons myself um, yeah twenty sided yeah. die well the other thing cubes. is you know stouts have got a lot of a lot of compounds in them to help resist the oxidation so they might hold out longer than something like that barley wine I did which was at its edge at three months so mm. you might get a little more grace with that. I personally like uh, I like my bourbon oaked stouts to be, you know, b- beer oak bourbon, and and that's what this kind of has. I mean, you know, the, the this is the only comments I'm going to make when I step in is is on beers like this. Um, it is a little light on the oak. I would love to see that that oak that that caramely, um, you know, uh, vanillin kind of thing a, a little bit more. Up, up front but i think the bourbon level is 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 fine on it i think everything else in there is is, is really good so so did did you guys let this age up or warm up pretty well or it's fairly oh, yeah. warm right now. it's yeah. a pretty okay. it's probably at close to room temperature at this point uh-huh. uh you want to try this uh you want to run down the uh the base beer real fast yeah you guys haven't even left yeah you do. yeah yeah um the base beer just real fast, little little once over. It's all right. All right, there you go. Yeah. No. I, honestly, whatever you did in that barrel made it a whole lot better. Yeah. yeah, it definitely improved it. Yeah, the base beer is a little rough around the edges. It's a little little harsher tasting, a little more astringency, and um, a little more sour. It's got this big kind of grainy base malt note. Yeah, you know, there's a sour there's, thing going on. Yeah. Yeah, a little funkiness to it of some kind. It's it's. I don't know if it it the thing that I was picking up as maybe a, a, some bread activity in the barrel was combining with the the acidity the lactic acidity that I got in the barrel t- version, but yeah, there's something a little funky in this. And Lee mentioned something almost like a a kibble like character from the the kibble. It's not a word I like to use publicly. I that's a I good. There, there are some base malts that give a, a grainy a grainy character. A lot of people call bready or crackery. To me, it comes across like kibble. Like warm, um, I remember my babysitter used to make me uh, feed her animals, and she used to make me warm up the dog food. And that, and that. Now, when you said that, that's that's all I smell. So, thank you for ruining this. Yeah, experience. there you go. <laughs> and and our guest on the other end, who's done such a nice job with this, this barrel aged beer, now has kibble applied to his base beer. I'm <laughs> no, sorry. Man, I, that, I, yeah, I literally I've been searching I, I, for what's going on here for for a while. It definitely yeah. doesn't. I'm not trying to say that it smells like warm dog food, but uh, the word kibble, uh, one, <laughs> it's really Brian's fault. He brought it it's up. Brian's I'm sorry. Fault. No, I mean, literally, this is, this is something I consider it sort of a personal quirk of mine in judging that I pick that aroma up. Yeah. I mean, I have a dog, but I'm very sensitive to that fl- aroma. And whenever I bring that out to people, I say, yeah, it's kind of grainy. I have two dogs, and, and I yeah, I understand. And for me, it just smells like that, and I don't know what it is. It's, it's not I, a polite word to use when you're talking to an entrant, especially live over the internet and yes. the webs and yes, the it millions like of listeners. Kibble. You're an internet entrant. Curtis. Yes, yeah. but it's just yeah. it's a it's a, a, a test. Well, I was uh, I was listening to one of your other podcasts, and uh, JP used the word uh, farty. On, <laughs> maybe it was this or a session or something. So today I'll open them up and I'm just tasting it, going, maybe it's farty. Yeah. Maybe, it's farty. <laughs> maybe yeah. it is. Well, maybe yeah. that's it. As long as it's maybe not it's weenery. Just I heard him say that. Yeah, it's not yeah, weenery. Probably... It doesn't smell like wet cat food either. We're not talking about baby yeah, diapers good. or anything here today. Yeah, there's a lot. There's real, real pets. Yeah, you definitely don't need to uh, worry that there's uh, have any concerns about your wienery level. So that's good. Yeah. Far or farty, either. Ah, God, I had a beer. 
the other day that was farting. He was like, oh, man. Is that me or the beer? It was you. It's probably both, really. Because I had a yeah. lot of that beer. Yeah. Now, farting. if you want to ever fill a score sheet on and say, say grainy, they're going to ask, be asking me, what the hell did you really mean there? Yeah. <laughs> it's just me. Nobody else gets this. How do you solve that graininess there, Lee? I, for me, as far as I know, it's just use a different base malt. Switching to wet food. Yeah. yeah. Switch to the wet food. Then it's worse. <laughs> Curtis, do you have any so, so questions? W- oh, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, w- yeah. One one interesting aspect of this was that uh, I was kind of trying to up my efficiency. I was down. I was disappointed with my efficiency uh, prior to this, and hadn't read anything saying, "Hey, you know, you really shouldn't do that." And uh, I was uh, after my mash. I would just kind of leave stuff in the mash tun, and as it boiled down be- below where I wanted it to be, rather than add or adding water, I would add out of the mash. I'm wondering if that sourness or that uh, astringency, which may be perceived as sourness, is coming from that poor practice. It's possible. Did you, I mean, to actually have an informed answer for that, it'd probably be good to know what the terminal gravity that's coming out of there was and a pH reading on it. Yeah, okay. So if the pH gets too high at the end of your sparge or if you're doing what you said, um, then, yeah, you might start extracting a lot more tannins. More time will certainly allow them to come out, although the temperature is probably dropping in there while you do that, but not real fast. Yeah, yeah, it's possible. If you're if you're worried yeah. about tannins, that's something I would not do. Yeah, astringency. Yeah, I mean, sometimes you know, getting better efficiency can be your own worst enemy, and you're just always struggling for that. You know, if you're you could end up over sparging and 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 getting too much and and pulling out flavors that aren't happy. I mean, some of the some of the best beer, brewers that I know just, you know, they'll do batch sparging or they'll do, you know, I mean, no sparging and, and, and all these methods. They use more ingredients, yeah. But you're on a homebrew scale. You're not brewing, you know, 50 million barrels at a time. And yeah. so you can get away with spending a little more to make your beer even better. And yeah, a couple bucks here and sure, there. You know, it's not matter. Don't worry too much about efficiency. If you're in, in the, you know, 70s somewhere, hey, great. If you're pushing up towards 80, yeah. you might be getting, you know... <laughs> A little more than you bargained for. Yeah, a couple more yeah. bucks worth of grain, no problem. Just don't tell the wife. <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the story behind that was that when I did that Russian Imperial prior, I, I did a second runnings, uh, mm-hmm. called it the, my session stout, because it came out pretty low, like 2 3%. Uh, and I did a bunch of cool experiments with it, and the base beer was pretty awesome. So I was like, well, why couldn't I just take that and pour it into the, to the boil? Up my efficiency, obviously, the stuff coming out of there is not great, or not bad. So... Then this batch came along, and I was like, maybe that wasn't such a great idea. <laughs> Go back to the old that. way. But it was cool because I've never uh, – that particular beer I, I ran out of, couldn't send in. It would, it would have been cool to talk about, but uh, I added Chiracha to it, hmm. to Love a 3% it. Wow, uh, session stout. A 3% hot stout. Yeah, it was huh. pretty killer. We have Sounds a Vietnamese like- restaurant nearby, and uh, there's a Vietnamese gastropub called Nobi, and uh, – and actually, the coffee I used in the breakfast out, true breakfast out version of this, I used a Vietnamese coffee from them. And so I cool. think that was part of the reason it just covered up so much. Yeah. It wasn't even worth sending in. It would, nice. you just would nice. have been like, this is awesome. You should uh, keep doing that. So, <laughs> no, I've never known like, anything better. <laughs> so, did you make a black and tan out of that and some condensed milk? <laughs> no, but uh, maybe. 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 Hey, you got idea. a baby on the way. It's worth thinking about. Well, yeah. Yeah. Once my wife's willing to drink it. Yeah, Vietnamese able co- to drink it. Vietnamese stout say. coffee. <laughs> yeah. All right, Curtis. Hey, thanks a lot, man, for sending us the beers and uh, staying up so late with us. I really appreciate it. 
Yeah, no worries. Thank yeah, it's you. Been good chatting. Thanks. Yeah. yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks, man. Thanks Appreciate sure. it. Cheers. Just shows you what a barrel yeah. can do. Woo. Yeah, right. Especially done well. Uh, all right, fellas, we're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we're going to uh, you know go through our little tips and tricks for everybody, and then uh, finally get out of here. Sound good to you? All right, it's Dr. Homebrew, everybody. Stay tuned. I-10, huh? Getting tired of that same old handcrafted beverages day after day? Are you looking for something with more diversity than your normal beer? Fellow BN Army member Michael Fairbrother, owner of Moonlight Meadery, is reviving an entire beverage category. Mead! The meads at Moonlight Meadery are all handcrafted from the finest honey on the market and are perfect for any occasion, like weddings, baby showers, or... Excuse me? Mead is not your average girly drink, mister, and Moonlight Meads can be enjoyed anytime, anywhere. Football games with the guys. Yeah. Barbecues with the guys. Yeah. Operating power tools with the guys. Yeah. Um, actually, sir, that's really dangerous. Good point, son. Next time you have something to celebrate or are just looking for a new tasting experience, pick up a bottle of mead from Moonlight Meadery. Now in 21 states, making over 60 varieties of mead from dry, semi-sweet to sweet. Break out of that craft beer low. Grab a bottle of Moonlight Mead. Can't find some? Then ask. No, make that demand some. Yeah! You guys thirsty for three percent hot stout, spicy mm-hmm. stout? Sounds yes. good. It kind of does, but at the same, I don't like sriracha. I'm like one of the the one percenters apparently who everyone loves sriracha. I have an apron that says I heart sriracha. Uh, yeah, it's right. I do. It's I don't. My secret ingredient and everything. And then, and just spaghetti, everything. Spaghetti, yeah, it could go on. You know, carrot sticks, celery, Whatever. chips, pizza. I was like that with yeah. Tapatio for a long time. Mix and then, it with ketchup. Yeah. Perfect dipping sauce. Huh. I moved. I, I flipped from, from Tapatio to uh, Cholula or Chola or Cholo or whatever it is. If you ever go shopping for Mexican hot sauce, it's incredible. Tapatio for like a 12-ounce bottle is like a buck thirty-nine or some insane price, right? The Cholula is three times as much Yeah, for the well, same amount. Yeah, you go to Costco though, and get two of them for like six bucks. So that's it in large size. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you get the bulk discounts a lot less. <sighs> Man, I just I never I never dug on sriracha. I mean, I had a bottle. I was like, oh, let's try all this out, and and just it didn't really swing for me. So I don't know if I'd like a three percent hot stout. I would like just like mm-hmm. that stout. I also well, dig at the teriyaki places. You mix it with the teriyaki sauce, and you make a spicy yaki sauce. Spicy yaki, yeah, it's awesome. Right. So yeah, welcome to Doctor. Um, Cooking ingredients and yeah. uh, Doctor Hot Sauce, Johnny. That can be a special show sometime. Sauce. Yeah, we do the Cholula Tapatio. Uh, taste oh, up. I would love that. We couldn't judge any beer afterwards. No, no. of course not. No, it'd yeah. just be all about. Well, we're already working on our spirits judging show. Right. Um, I could I could just make that a Doctor Humber show. Who cares? Our sponsors would love that. Maybe maybe not. I don't know. Five Star might be going. I don't understand. What? How does this work for us? <laughs> what's the tie? Yeah. What's yeah. the tie in here? Uh, shipping a case of sriracha. <laughs> All right, let's give a quick rundown so we can get out of here. Uh, Matt, uh, earlier, um, he had the... Um, I'm blanking on the beer he had now. Pale. That's right, the See? session with Mosaic Hops. Right. Um, and a, a few comments you guys made, uh, there was an acidity there, maybe combined with a carbonation, wasn't necessarily a pleasant flavor. 
Um, the gravity seemed uh, not to finish as low enough uh, as it should. It finished, I think, at ten twelve, if I remember, and that should be a little lower. And then uh, the, he had a clarity issue. Yeah, it was hazy. My mm, guess is probably some chill haze on that from the dry hopping and the pills mall or the the golden pills. Was that what he called it? Um, yeah, I had a guess. That's what I would think. Vienna I mean, golden pills from Bruce. Yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I mean the malt wasn't the showcase of that that beer. It was that hop character, and the hop character was really cool. I like I like when I've had mosaic oriented beers. They've been usually pretty cool. Get some funky stuff. You're supposed to be able to pick out a little blueberry note in that sometimes, even in the background. But I didn't get that. Yeah, not so much. I, I got some. But of that. the big tropical, you know, mango stuff going on. I did get like a dry, dry like dry mango. Yeah, um, got lots of that. Like the mango meat closer to the to the mango seed. Meat? Yeah, the meat of the mango. Pulp. Can you say that on air? Sure, why not? Okay. Yeah, sure. The, the internet. The mango. It's the internet. Uh, like that kind of dry, that kind of dry mango ness. If that makes any sense, it probably doesn't. Uh, and then our, our my close personal friend Curtis, who I've never met the man in my entire life, um, he had those wonderful uh, stouts, the bourbon barrel aged stout. Um, Two and, beers for the price of one, right? Uh, and a barrel, <laughs> and some months. <laughs> we had uh, some notes. There was a small sour note, and um, the oak. I think we all kind of would have liked to see the oak a little bit more present. But overall, there really wasn't a whole lot to to give him feedback on as far I, as correcting. I, I was okay with the oak and bourbon at a low level. I thought it was nice. It was a subtle version of the style. I thought that was good. Yeah, it's definitely not the oaky. No. Character you get in some of these, not the bourbon intensity I over the, the top you get in some. Yeah. I thought those were nice. I thought I the like bourbon that. level was fine. I, I could have used 10 to 15% more oak, but I like mm-hmm. oak a lot. Yeah, that's, I mean, the, that's the wine I, I would drink, and that's the beer oak. I drink. Like you said, beer, oak, booze, yeah. like in that order. But but for me, it was beer, booze, oak, and oh. I don't like that order. Yeah, I like, okay. I, like, I like the oak to be before the booze. Yeah. All I know is I'd sleep well at night having a keg of that around. Well, there's yeah, that yeah. that's right. That's the the flip side of all these. Where it's like the ultimate answer. Yeah, right. yeah. <laughs> but if, if any element of this beer had been changed too, it would have been totally different, and it would have thrown it out of balance. If you had too much too much oak, it would have covered up some of the subtle flavors that were coming through from that stout. And if you if the stout was way bigger, it would have oh, way overpowered the oak and the booze. You yeah. Know? So yeah, and it I, was kind of right the way it was. It yeah. was nice. I, I think, think that's kind of why it worked because it had a lot of subtlety, a lot of complexity coming from esters, you know, cherries and berries and figs and some nice tarry character and all this other stuff going on that if you just layered over a bunch of chips on there, it would just drown it out. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Uh, uh, okay, cool. Well, um, that's it, I think. I think we're done. All right. Should we make you sure of that? That music we're right done. there. We're done. That music. makes me sure for All sure. Right. Up. All right, everybody. Thanks for sticking around for Dr. Homebrew. I hope you learned some stuff. I know that I sure did. Uh, I want to thank Matt and Curtis for coming in. And, of course, Brian and Lee for coming all the way out of the woodwork from wherever they live in the Bay Area to come and taste some tasty homebrews. I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Five Star. You can get everything you need to clean and sanitize your beer and to make your beer the best that you can make it at 5starchemicals.com or just ask your local homebrew supply shop. I think we're out of here. We're going to go clean up and sober up and uh, and hit, the, hit on the rocky road. So, uh, yeah, thanks again, everybody, and uh, see you on the next Dr. Homebrew. <laughs>